0: hello welcome back to the beating the buzzer podcast uh, my name is Adam and I am actually just solo uh, for this one I uh, I'm just doing this one by myself and I'm gonna do kind of a, another sports podcast I know the last couple have been kind of mixed I want to keep it that way keep some uh, like media stuff and then back to sports and we kind of just do anything here uh, but yeah I uh, Tonight is the night, or now morning, I guess, um, but the night of uh, September 19th. Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals happened. Uh, the Boston Celtics were finally able to hold on to a lead, uh, winning game 3 117 seventeen-106. Uh, getting the series closer, uh, 2-1, Miami leads it. Uh, game 4 is on Wednesday at 8.30. <clears throat> so I kind of wanted to just go in. And kind of vent about uh, this one, what I thought about the game, what I think needs to happen in game four for both teams to win. Uh, so first off, I think the story of this game to me, I'll start with Miami, um, I think was Jimmy Butler for me. He was absent uh, for, for the majority of this game. Um, and that's what stood out to me. I think Jalen Brown did a, did a good job on him. Same with Jason Tatum. Uh, and Gordon Hayward, who is back, we'll talk about him later, but uh, Miami has to get him more involved. Um, I, I don't think they can live um, with Hayward back. I don't think you can live with Bam and Hero uh, being your two focal points. I think it's a decent way to play, but I don't think it's a good way to win against uh, this fully healthy team. Again, Jimmy Butler... He went into the fourth quarter with 10 points on 3 for 9 shooting, which is not good. Uh, you have to get him more involved. Uh, ended with 17 on 6 for, I think, 13 uh, shooting. But, again, you know, I, I want to see him more involved if Miami wants to take Game 4. Um, another thing that stood out to me is Goran Dragic. He cooled off, and this had something to do with the uh, what the Celtics were doing. In game three, switching Marcus Smart onto Guan Drogic, which is what I said they should do. I said that Brad Stevens should get Smart on him. Uh, Butler can be covered by other guys. They had Smart on Butler. I said, Dragic is killing you. you got to get him there, and that's what they did. I love to see that for Boston. Um, and then kind of to Boston's point, I think you want to play the style of ball. Take Drogic and Butler out of the game, even Robinson to an extent uh, in early foul trouble and defending his shots uh, pretty well uh, before the fourth quarter, I think you, you want to make Bam and Hero beat you, is what I'm saying. Um, make those other guys beat you, make the role players beat you, because if you take Drogic and if you take Butler out of it, um, I, I think Bam and the other guys can't really do much Um the next thing I noticed, I, I think we'll touch on it now, is the elephant in the room, is Gordon Hayward. His return in this game, uh, the stat line didn't say much. 30 points, or sorry, <laughs> that would have been crazy. 30 minutes, uh, 6 points on 2-for-7 shooting. Um, played pretty well. Um, again, I think for, for Hayward, um, it, it was more about the facilitation and beating the zone, five rebounds, four assists, three steals and a block in this game. He was active defensively, um, and it just really increased your speed. I saw on Twitter before the game, uh, Larry Bird and Cedric Maxwell had actually met, uh, just caught up on a call talking about what the Celtics needed to do to win game three, and part of it was Hayward coming back. You're going to have less uh, trouble against the zone And I think that happened in Game 3. You were able to break down the zone. They had to go back to man uh, because Hayward was beating it so well. Um, And then I think another thing, not to go at him, because I love Shemi Ojale. I think he's a a great defensive guy, but I think not having to play him at all this game really helped you. I think just having another offensively capable guy in your lineup um, is just so – crucial to beating this Miami team because they're so deep um, it helps having another guy like that allows smart Jalen Tatum even Kemba uh, to, to take uh, plays off to go to the bench for longer stints um, <clears throat> so I really liked that um, and then the next thing for the Celtics that went well I think was just um, you know Tatum Brown smart and Kemba they were all on today This is exactly what you need out of them. Uh, They each had 20-plus points, Smart with 20, Kembo with 21, uh, Tatum with 25, Jalen with 26, led the way for you. But um, that's what you need. That's what you need to beat this team is all those guys got to be going. Uh, I definitely think what happened in the locker room helped. I'm on that side. I think the uh, quote fighting uh, in the locker room definitely helped this team to talk it out. Brad Stevens said it after the game. It was less about the result, more about how they could bounce back and show character. So I like that. I thought the chemistry and just the heart and effort in the second half was there. I mean, you had uh, 14 and 17-point leads respectively, and you almost blew a lead in this game. You didn't. You held on to win by 11. But um, that urgency in the third and fourth quarter was definitely there. And that's what I want to see from this team is – An urgency to win. These are the playoffs. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, You know, I think you have to realize at some point tonight they did. You know, you're four, or now three. Uh, You're three games away from the NBA Finals. Or in this case, you were four games away from the NBA Finals. So you got to play like it, and you got to earn it. And Miami was earning you. They were outworking you, and you outworked them tonight. So complete hats off. Um, and again, absorbing that comeback is key because you know Miami is a terrible first-half team against you. They have not played well in these three first halves. Uh, you know you have to absorb that second-half blow, and I think coming out uh, in the third quarter, playing with energy, they played really uh, well. The Celtics in, in the third third quarter of this game was amazing. I think if I recall, they actually outscored Miami in the third quarter. It was the fourth quarter that Miami started to close the gap a little bit. But I think never letting up and keeping that energy, I really love to see that. Um, and now I think for, if you're looking ahead to Game 4, um, for me – It's Hayward. I mean, it's his hell. Three days off, which I I honestly forgot. I have no idea. I feel like they've never done this before in the NBA playoffs. Three days off is going to be huge for him. He was talking about his ankle soreness. So I think that's great that you can get him on more rest. You're going to get him ready. The team's going to be rested. And again, um, I haven't said this, but I wouldn't consider this a momentum win. I would consider this a, a style change for the Celtics. They played stylistically a lot different in this game. Uh, they outscored Miami in the paint, which is new. Uh, this is not a team that, that has done that uh, in this series and in past series. They've not been a team to outscore you in the paint. They've been a team that beats you from outside. Uh, but I think Miami, out of the teams left in the playoffs, is the only better three-point shooting team than Boston. So you have to find another way to win. They did that tonight by going to the basket. And um, this was a stylistic win. I think changing your style really helped. I I think momentum, I think, is going to be gone. Three days off is pretty big for a playoff series. So I think that'll help. Uh, With no travel, obviously, uh, everybody's going to be around each other with family there. I think it gives them a break, which is good. Um, But I think game four is going to be everything. I think you have to keep not the momentum, but the confidence. The confidence that you showed in this game has to stay uh, if you want to even this series up. And I think if you do even this series up, I've, I think then it's a whole new game. I think Miami's momentum tonight, and I, again, I said it wasn't a momentum win, but I think it wasn't growing momentum for Boston. I think this game was about stopping momentum for Miami. And I mean, I'll tell you at the end of that game, they look shot, and they look done. And it reminded me of what Boston looked like when they were blowing their leads. Um, they just looked shot. They looked out of it, and that's what Miami looked like. And I think that's what you had to do to this team, uh, is you have to take their energy away. Uh, they they come out and they play with a lot of energy and a lot of heart and a lot of effort. Um, and, again, I said it. It was the end of the game. Jimmy Butler was out of the game. And you take the heart out of that team. You take their energy away. Um, you're They're a very beatable team. I said that in the last podcast. You're a better team than them. Celtics proved it tonight, 117-106. You were up 20 the majority of this game. Um, but you were, again, able to absorb that blow with a lot of effort. And looking ahead to game four, um, you know, I said it last pod. I said this is going to be a heat sweep or Celtics in six. I said there was no in-between. Um there's no in-between. So at this point, I think you even it up in Game 4. I'm going to take the Celtics. I won't look ahead past that. But I think in Game 4 with Hayward, at this point, I think it's too much. I think Miami has adjustments they can make to improve their chances. Um, but again, I think one game, again, that's all it takes to to change a series. Um, and they did it tonight. I really do. I believe that. And I think this is a Miami team that it's really going to show their heart in game four. Um, I expect them to play that like like it's the last game they have. Even if you're up 2-1 in this series, I think you know if Boston ties this series, if they're no longer playing with their backs against the wall. I mean, we saw what they did in game five of the last series. I mean, jeez. They came out and smoked Toronto in that game. They won by twenty something. Um if I mean, and again, if you're Miami, you game four is huge. Cause I think the pressure's on both teams now. And it was just on Boston. I think now it's on both teams. Cause if you don't win on Wednesday, if you don't win game four, I think Miami, I really think Miami's in trouble if this series evens up. And I'll, I think I'll leave the basketball talk on that, but just some other things uh, extra in that. I love Jalen Brown tonight, love Jason Tatum, thought they played really well. Marcus Smart was clutched towards the end. Uh, this is what I mainly wanted to talk about in this pod. Uh, it is a Saturday night in college. I'm recording a podcast, I know, kind of sad. But um, I got nothing else to do. The Celts were on, so didn't go out. But... One positive thing, and obviously never go out during COVID, not wise, don't do that, bad example. But um, football is starting up tonight, I guess, technically, now that it's the morning. Um, So I thought we haven't taken much of a fantasy angle when we do the duo podcast, because it's hard. It's hard in the duo podcast, I feel like, because we're doing a lot of, we got to bounce back and forth off each other, and we have to organize it. And I organize this, but I feel like it's nicer <clears throat> we can just kind of ramble, and I think we'll get there with these. It's just so new. But I think for now, I wanted to kind of do an episode where I just rambled a little bit, just solo. So, um, for fantasy, I just wrote down uh, some guys I, I think you should watch, uh, you know, for, for fantasy leagues this week, and then some guys to avoid. Um, and again, I, I've i been asked to do this um, because I, I'm... I don't want to say I'm very good at fantasy, but historically, I've won leagues. Uh, I I have a couple trophies in the old fantasy chest. So um, yeah, so I'll just run these down by position. Uh, I'm gonna split them up into receivers and tight ends, running backs and QBs. Not gonna do defenses and kickers uh, because people should be able to tell that uh, from pretty basic stats. Uh, so the first guy I have to watch this week, um, I think, is a pretty easy one. I think most people have him starting. If you have him, is Emmanuel Sanders versus Oakland. Uh, Michael Thomas, obviously, with the injury um, in the Tampa game, even without, uh, even with Thomas, sorry, um, Sanders was amazing in that game. I think this week he's the clear uh, number one to breeze against a Las Vegas defense that gave up 30 points in week one uh, to Carolina, I think. Although I think the run game for New Orleans might shine a little bit, I think Sanders is going to get the majority of Drew Brees' passes. And in PPR leagues and the way Brees loves to go short, I think Sanders is going to be able to get open uh, against a questionable secondary. Uh, My next – uh, players to watch, these are three. This is a trio, um, and I think it's pretty obvious. Everybody that has these guys should be starting them this week. It's Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think they're going to see a lot of volume. The Chargers' pass defense last week was very bad against the Bengals. If not for kind of a flop and a push-off for AJ Green, they would have lost on a passing touchdown. They did a good job against Joe Mixon, uh, so I think Mahomes will probably air it out a little more this game. Uh, And Tyree Kill again, coming off a good good performance. Sammy Watkins, same thing. Travis Kelsey lit up Houston in week one. I expect the same, if not more, uh, against L.A. Um, My next guy to watch is definitely DeAndre Hopkins versus Washington. I think he established himself as, again, one of the best receivers in the league, a top two receiver in the league probably to me at this point, if not one. Um, And, again, although Washington, I think their secondary looked pretty good, in week 1 uh they had no guy like DeHop uh to handle in week 1 uh they got a lot of good short slot receivers um but again DeAndre Hopkins that 6263 frame uh with that speed i think they're no match i'd expect another big performance from him um These two guys I'm going to kind of bunch together because I I gave them the same prognosis as to why you should start them, Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen. Um, Again, both huge week one performances, both coming up against pretty bad secondaries in week two. Uh, Expect both of them to have pretty big games uh, against the uh, Lions and Colts respectively. Uh, My next guy to watch is Mark Andrews versus the Texans. Uh, Ravens-Texans this week is a pretty interesting game. I think some people think it's close. Some people think it's a blowout. I think it could be close. I'm leaning towards blowout because the Ravens just looked so good against Cleveland in week one. Um, And, again, this Texans defense was decent against the Chiefs. I say that knowing that I'm saying kind of as decent as you can be, which is still pretty bad against Kansas City um but again i think where they struggled most was against travis kelsey um andrews isn't travis kelsey but unlike kelsey he is uh no doubt lamar jackson's number one target um i think if week one against cleveland was any indication for andrews i think he's uh definitely keen for another big big performance in week two uh, my next guy to watch, and this is the second to last one I have, uh, is Jamison Crowder versus the Niners. Uh, this is a guy I had on my bench in a lot of leagues in week one, and I think a lot of people overlooked him because he's on the Jets, um, and I, w- I do have to give a shout out to Billy, um, because he's a Jets fan, and he told me to pick him. I did some research, ended up drafting him in the last round, I think, of a couple of my drafts, um. And it turned out to be kind of a success. I put him on my bench, though, so I guess it wasn't. But he had a great week one against a very good Bills defense. They were definitely kind of targeting in on some other guys, definitely focusing on the passing out of the backfield for that team. Le'Veon Bell ended up getting hurt, but still even Frank Gore um, and some other receivers I'm just blinging on names for for New York. Um Struggled in that game, but Crowder was amazing. Um, and this Niners defense uh, without Richard Sherman, uh, I think they didn't play well against the pass in week one. Again, uh, he's not DeAndre Hopkins, but they played ridiculously well against the run. Uh, I don't, I mean, other than Kyler Murray, but Sam Darnold can't scramble. You're without Le'Veon Bell. Frank Gore is probably going to have a slow day because that front seven is no joke. Um, If the Jets are going to get this ball to anyone, I would expect to get it to Crowder. Um, Again, I think he's a decent flex starter uh, if you have no one else to lean on. I wouldn't lean on any Jets player against the Niners. I think there's a good chance they get shut out in this game. But if they're going to go to anyone, it's going to be Crowder. So I think he's a flex pick as far as PPR leagues. he will definitely be racking up receptions. Uh, And my last guy is Allen Robinson uh, versus the Giants. I would also throw Jimmy Graham into this. I think a lot of this uh, depends on Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, The Giants' secondary was god-awful to me in week one. Juju had a field day um, against the secondary. Robinson could go off. That being said, I think you have to consider the risk of Mitchell Trubisky before You make this guy your starter just because if he cannot replicate what he did in the fourth quarter of week one, I think that Allen Robinson will not have a great day because he just won't be able to get the ball. Um, Moving on to running backs. This one's a bit more extensive as far as guys to watch. I think it's a little easier. Um, Oh, I actually do have two more that I just misplaced. We'll talk about them. Uh, Eric Ebron and the Steelers tight ends versus Denver. I think The Broncos' defense is really good against receivers and running backs. They struggled against Jonu Smith in week one. Uh, Eric Ebron and whoever the Steelers choose, I'm pretty sure they still have McDonald Um, or the other guy. They're always blank on. But um, one of those two guys uh, are keen to go off in week two for them. Uh, Big Ben's going to have nowhere else to go, honestly, so I would expect their tight ends to play well. And then John Brown against the Dolphins. Uh, As we saw in week one, the Jets did a good job of keying in. On uh, Stephon Diggs specifically, and also Cole Beasley, I think in this game against the Dolphins, their defense was pretty bad against the Patriots, but I think the one bright spot that you can look at towards the future is they have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who are two very elite cornerbacks. Uh, I think those two will kind of key in on Diggs and Beasley uh, and could open up the door for John Brown to have a decent week uh, in week two. Um, Yeah, so on to running backs, I think this list is a little easier to grasp. Uh, my first one is uh, Zeke versus Atlanta. I think Zeke is a must start any week, but especially this week, I think he's going to go off. Um Falcons had no answer, absolutely none for Chris Carson in week one. I think with a better O-line of the Cowboys, even without Blake Jarwin and some injuries on that O-line, I think Zeke is still keen to have a field day uh, against Atlanta. So he is a must start. Another must start who was kind of quiet um, in week one was Derrick Henry. I'd expect him to have a much louder week two um, against a Jaguars defense. They gave up something like 60 or 70 combined fantasy points, something crazy like that, to the Colts trio, now sadly duo, uh, wishing best thoughts to Marlon Mack with the torn Achilles. But uh, that trio of running backs had a field day um, against this Jags defense. Derrick Henry will do the same. Um, Chris Carson versus the Patriots. I think this this is definitely a start guy. I think a lot of people I talked to, some people that were considering benching them because the Pats D was really good in week one. Uh, That was really good against the pass. Um, Against the run, they struggled. That's the one part of the game I think they struggled. They gave up some chunk plays uh, to kind of not good running backs. So I would assume Chris Carson uh, is going to have a good day. I think the Seahawks will keep this one on the ground. Uh, So he'll be key, I think, if they want to win this close game. Uh, my next one to watch is actually kind of a twofer. I'd wanna, I, if I were you, I would definitely look in uh, before this game to who Bruce Aarons going to start. It's Leonard Fournette slash Ronald Jones against the Panthers. Um, again, the Panther defense was absolutely helpless in week one against Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. And Tom Brady teams love to run the ball, absolutely love it. So I would expect that whoever they start is going to get a lot of touches in the run and pass game. Uh, against a pretty bad Carolina defense um, my next one's Kamara versus the Raiders same reasoning in that game um, they couldn't stop Christian McCaffrey uh, and again I know he's the best running back in football um, but Kamara is is definitely up there uh, again without Michael Thomas he'll be seeing more volume in the pass and run game uh, so I, I'd expect for him to have another big day in PPR leagues and just do whatever he wants Uh, This one, some people would maybe think of benching him because he didn't have the best week one, uh, but it's Austin Eckler versus the Chiefs. This Chiefs' defense is amazing. It's great, but I think where they struggled in week one was against the run. They let David Johnson uh, have his best game in like two and a half years, um, which is crazy to me. So Eckler is definitely, to me, a, a guy that you should start in week two. This team is historically pretty bad against pass-catching running backs. Eckler is one of those. Uh, He can also go up the middle, and they struggled with that as there were a ton of holes in their run game um, against the Texans. Also, with Tyra Taylor as your quarterback, I think you're going to have to keep this one mainly on the ground. My next one is Kenyon Drake. This is actually my last one uh, versus Washington. I think Washington played really well against the Eagles, but I think that shouldn't shy anybody away From starting Kenyon Drake last year, um, this Washington defense ranked second to last, 31st in run defense. Other than adding Chase Young, they didn't do a whole lot to improve that run defense. Although the Eagles struggled, I think that has more to do with the Eagles' poor running play and injured O-line. I think Kenyon Drake is due for a bounce back. He had a decent game. Um, Bad for him, but decent for fantasy standards against one of the best run defense in the league. Uh, with the Niners. So I think he's definitely a guy to watch. As far as quarterbacks, um, this list is a little more extensive. I think one for me, the first one that I, I've touched on a little bit with the Bears is Mitch Trubisky. I think this is a risk start. This is definitely a boomer bust guy. Um, I think it's a good chance of booming because the Steelers were great against this giant secondary. He played well against another bad secondary I think he could be in for another big day, but I would watch it because, they again, I label Jimmy Graham as kind of an eh, like off and on. Maybe he'll boom, maybe he'll bust. Very dependent on Trubisky because they're decent at guarding tight ends, but you never know with the Bears. You never know what might happen. I think Trubisky is a risky pick. If you don't have anyone or if you have a guy that I'm about to list as stay away from, I think then Trubisky could be reliable because this Giants defense is that bad, but definitely not a must start. But a, a, a boomer bust guy that I w- I would consider taking more of a chance on this week than other weeks. Um, now we will get to a couple of must starts. The first one being Aaron Rodgers. The Lions secondary just talked about it. You struggle against Mr. Trubisky. How do you think they're going to do against Aaron Rodgers? Um, Even if you're missing Equinomius St. Brown, I think that doesn't do a lot. You still have Adams, you still have Lazard, you still have valdez Gantling. I'd expect him to go for another big day. Uh, Kirk Cousins versus the Colts, decent game week one, although we lost. Uh, This Colts secondary was pretty bad against the Jaguars, Uh, I would fully expect. Kirk Cousins to have another big day. Uh, Jimmy G versus the Jets, again, although the Niners don't have Kittle... Uh, their offense was still decent against the Cardinals, and this is the Jets' defense uh, without Jamal Adams. So I think that's enough said on that. Uh, Jared Goff. Uh, this is kind of another boomer bust one uh, to me. The Eagles' defense looked eh, their secondaries pretty bad. Uh, I think you're going to have to throw it up <laughs> in this game. I don't think you're going to be able to run it that much. Uh, but I, I, w- I would expect Jared Goff to have a pretty big game. Um, I would. And also that would include uh Cooper Cup and um Robert Woods. I would I would just not know which one to pick to me. I would lean towards Cup because he appears to be um kind of a more reliable target late game. I think also Woods is great because they went to him basically for the entire first drive of the last game. So both guys are good, but golf I I would consider definitely a start. My next one's Tom Brady. I think he's keen for a bounce back game. Um, again, this I've said it about this Bucs team. They're only going to keep getting better. And um, this Panther defense is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty bad defense. They, they let the Raiders really own them in week one. Um, so I would definitely start Tom Brady. Uh, Dak Prescott, another one. Um, Atlanta's secondary is pretty bad in week one. Although you were playing Russell Wilson, you gave up great games uh, in the past game to Chris Carson, Doug Baldwin, and DK Metcalf. So Dak with Gallup, Cooper, uh, even without Jarwin, uh, I I think with CD Lamb, too, you have enough to get it done uh, and have a pretty good game along the way. Uh, to me, the most two lock, like the two locked starters that I would just put in and not even think about week two. Um, are Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes? Uh, Drew Brees even without Michael Thomas, this Raiders defense is that bad. Uh, you know they they're improving. They're young, but against a veteran team like New Orleans, uh, I just think they don't stand a chance. Uh, and you're gonna you're gonna pass the ball a lot. I can tell in this game. You're gonna try and get Jared Cook involved. Um, again, I think. Emmanuel Sanders and Alvin Kamara are going to have a great game with Patrick Mahomes. uh, I think it's just Mahomes versus the Chargers with all the receiving core. That's enough said for me. Mahomes is going to go off. Um, Now I'm going to move into players to avoid. Uh, These might be less obvious to some, but I feel like they're worth noting just so you don't start them. Uh, We're going to start off with uh, receivers and tight ends. My first is a pair. I have a couple pairs in here. To avoid, but my first is going to be Doug Baldwin, DK Metcalf versus the Patriots. Um, for Baldwin, he had no touchdowns in Week One, but he did have solid production. Um, but I think they, assuming they stick either Gilmore or Jackson on him, it's going to be tough for him to get going. Uh, I think the Seahawks keep it on the ground in this one, as the Pats' run defense struggled a lot more than their pass defense in Week One um same reasoning for dk again you're going to get jc jackson or stefan gilmore uh, or jonathan jones or one of the mccordies they're just going to take turns on both of them so i'd expect both of their productions to kind of slow down um in week two uh, my next couple is another pair uh it's will fuller and brandon cooks uh versus the ravens this ravens defense might be the best in football uh, i'm ready to admit that they played so well in week one and um That was against Odell and Jarvis Landry, so Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Although Will Fuller had a pretty good week one, I think Deshaun Watson will struggle. I think he'll have to start going to his tight ends a little bit. I I don't think either of these guys have a great game. Again, Brandon Cooks still trying to get oriented into that offense, getting acclimated. I don't think this is the game to do it. You had a back-to-back really tough matchup. So I would stay away from Houston players uh, this week as far as offensively. Uh, My next is a pair. Um, It's Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington versus the Broncos. Um, Juju really lit it up in week one. James Washington had a couple solid plays. Both had good fantasy output, but I'm more inclined to go with Steelers' tight ends and other receivers than these two. Um, A.J. Brown was locked up uh, for the majority of the week one game. Um, by A.J. Boye. I'd expect Boye to continue in week two with Juju, so I would definitely bench Juju if you have him. My next two, again, I doubt a lot of people have these two, but if you were thinking of playing him, maybe next week is a great matchup for both. Uh, Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki for the Dolphins versus the Bills. Um, if Parker plays... I think he's not going to have a great game with Stradivius White on him with Fitzception throwing him the ball. Same with Gasecki. The Bills secondary is no joke. Um, I think there's a good chance this team gets shut out. And I wouldn't consider starting any Dolphins offensive players, uh, probably until week three, when I'm guessing and I predicted in our preseason uh, kind of predictions that they would go with Tua against the Jags. Um my next is D.J. Moore versus the Bucks. He had a pretty solid game uh, in week one against the Raiders, but the Buccaneers' defense proved they can lock down a number one. Uh, they played really well against Michael Thomas, and I'll give him credit. I didn't give them much props going into that game. I thought Michael Thomas was going to go off. I was wrong. Uh, again, some of that might have been in the injury. Again, I'm not saying specifically bench D.J. Moore. I think I just said it, but I'm not saying bench him. I would say – Consider the risk and think. I think Robbie Anderson's a better matchup. I think Robbie Anderson proved that number twos, um, or sorry, not or yeah, that they can still have a reliable number two option. He played really well in Week One along with DJ Moore, but I think Robbie Anderson is a safer pick because they were giving up more yards to Emmanuel Sanders in Week One. The Bucks' defense were, and um, they just couldn't really get much going with michael thomas so i'd expect the same with dj moore uh, my last one for receivers is stefan diggs versus miami uh miami was pretty bad in week one but i think a bright spot again for them i touched on this is their secondary um so i i would stay away from him i touched that in the john brown explanation but again i think i would stay away from diggs this week i think he'll be pretty occupied and they're gonna want to go with short passes not deep throws um On to running backs. This might get some people mad. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus L.A. I I would stay away from him this week. I think, first of all, he's a rookie. Um, Second of all, the one thing this Chargers defense was good at in week one was uh, the running defense. I I think they played really well. Uh, Sorry, I'm going to take a break, tea break, midpoint. Some good tea. Um But, no, they played really well in Week 1 against Joe Mixon. Um, And I think their secondary is so bad that Mahomes is just going to air it out. So, unless you think he's going to get really involved in the pass game, which I don't think he will be for a couple weeks, I think that's hard for rookie running backs to do, especially with no preseason, is get involved in the passing game right away. I would consider Clyde Zeller a bench for this week or maybe just downgrade him to a flex – I would definitely take a closer look at him because I think he's going to have a way less production this week. Uh, my next one Saquon versus the Bears. This is something I never thought I would say. I would bench Saquon Barkley this week. Uh, he played really poorly week one against the Steelers, and if you think he's going to be bad against that front seven, oh is he going to be bad against the Bears' front seven. The Bears' front seven's no joke. Uh, they did a really good job against the run week one. I'd expect the same thing. Uh, you know, in week two, um, so I w- its tough. I love Saquon, but I'd bench him. I, I, I really would in in week two. Uh, if you if you got better options with better matchups, I would bench him. Uh, my next one's Malcolm Brown versus the Eagles. Um, kind of similar to the Clyde Zeller uh thing. I think the Eagles run defense was decent in week one. Uh, out of anything, you can call decent. In week one, but their secondary was horrendous. I'd expect LA to t- really just throw this ball up uh, in week two. Um, kind of go away from Malcolm Brown. I think they went to Malcolm Brown in week one because the Cowboys' run defense has been pretty bad um, this year, especially when you mix it up with a guy that can do play action really well. Um, so I, I would stay away from him this week. The next one I would stay away from is David Johnson versus the Ravens. I know we played really well week one against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs defense is not the Ravens defense. Uh, the Ravens defense did a really good job against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, again, David Johnson is a great story. It's great how he's coming back, but I, I don't have much faith against uh, with him against that defense in week two. My next one's Josh Jacobs versus New Orleans. He had a great week one. He – Um, He's appearing to not be having a sophomore slump. Uh, But New Orleans played really well against the run. It took, you know, Tampa a ton of attempts to get Ronald Jones to 50 yards. And I know Ronald Jones is Ronald Jones, but even with Fournette and McCoy mixed in, they just couldn't get those chunk plays, which is big for Josh Jacobs. He gets, like, chunk run plays where he'll get, like, 15 or 19 or, like, a 20-plus yard run, not really the, like, 5, 3, 6, 5, you know, style that we see. So, uh, I wouldn't bench him, but I would downgrade him in your lineup to a flex. Um, My last... Uh, for running backs is another pair, but um, it's probably my strongest bench is James Conner and Benny Snell, whichever one you want to play uh versus Denver. I hate Pittsburgh's running backs in this matchup. I hate them. Uh, Denver's run defense was somehow able to keep Derrick Henry in reasonable check in week one. Um, I mean again. Even in week one against the Giants, it took Benny Snell 19 attempts to get to 100 yards. I think that was kind of a smokescreen for a good game. I think these two have potential this year. This is not the week to prove it. Denver's run defense, uh, and overall defense, I would say, even without Von Miller, is so good that I would not start these two. Uh, Moving on to quarterbacks uh, that I would stay away from this week. This is a shorter list, um, so I'll go through it a little quicker and then we'll wrap up here. Um, I would say Gardner Minshew versus the Titans is not a start. I think Minshew Mania is back. I think it's back. I love the mustache, but uh, this Titans defense is just too good. Uh, I I think they'll take DJ Chark away. You don't really have that Leonard Fournette running attack anymore. Um, which would be stopped anyway by that Titans defense. But I, I just think that Titans defense is way too good. I think you played kind of a cupcake D week one in the Colts. Um So I want to wait another week. I think this this game's gonna be kind of a wash as far as Minchu's like stats. I don't think it's gonna be that good for him. I think it's gonna even him out a little bit, but I think down the line, I want to see it against kind of an average defense, not an elite defense. I think week two against an elite defense is a lot to ask of him to play well. My second one's Carson Wentz. I think for people already... uh, I think people were already staying away from this guy, to be honest. After that week one collapse against Washington, I would expect to see him on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. I I don't think he, he showed a lot in that game, but the Rams defense... Uh, whether you agree with that call or not against the Michael Gallup on Jalen Ramsey, whether you agree with that or not, their defense played really well in that game. Um, although Zeke kind of went off, um, I think the the Eagles just don't have the threats to to deal with that defense. So I wouldn't give them a good outlook at all. My um, next one's Derek Harvest, New Orleans again. Carolina's defense, kind of a cupcake. New Orleans showed that they are elite in week one. Uh, So I don't trust Derek Carr in this game. And also he doesn't have like premier wideout targets. I know Henry Ruggs might play, but that would be a rookie going against some pretty veteran corners and a very good secondary Um, With Marshawn Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, and Marcus Williams to name just a few of the guys they have in that secondary. So I would bench Derek Carr. Uh, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, uh, he is not a good outlook against the Bears in Week 2. I think this is an easy matchup for Chicago. Uh, I don't see who he goes to in this game. I, I think maybe one of his receivers might get open, but I think without Saquon it takes away the luxury of having a little more time in the pocket, uh, and that O-line was terrible. So my um, next one's Big Ben versus Denver. Uh, I think unless he finds a way to hit his tight ends or get more than two or three receivers involved, he is toast in this game. Um, I, I think A.J. Bouye and a couple guys in that secondary um, plus Simmons are going to take him out of the game a little bit. Um, and I think without Juju, he would have struggled in week one. So he's not really going to have the run game to add on to that, but I don't think Big Ben's a got to start. My last one, if anyone was starting this guy, because he did have a half-decent fantasy day in week one, but um, this seems obvious to me, but not to some that I've talked to with Sam Darnold versus the Niners. Even without Richard Sherman, even though I said you should start Jamison Crowder, I think that's the only guy, literally the only guy, that's going to be able to get it going versus the Niners. I would stay away from Sam Darnold, uh, especially without Le'Veon Bell in this game. Um, stay away. Um, yeah, but that that's my fantasy outlook for this week. Um, again, take my advice for the two people listening. Take my advice with... Uh, a grain of salt. I can be a bit biased at times, but I feel like I usually know what I'm talking about. Um, to look forward to uh, the rest of the way through this week. Um, tonight, I guess, because I'm recording this Sunday morning, uh, is a Lakers-Nuggets game, too. We'll see if the officiating in that series gets any better. Um, it is in my opinion that the Lakers did win because of officiating those fouls. Uh, if anyone in their self-interest wants to go Look up the Jokic-Murray uh, fouls in that game. Pretty terrible calls. Anytime you got Foster and Tony Brothers. Scott Foster and Tony Brothers are very good at swinging games. They clearly did it in game one. We'll see who they get in game two. We'll see what happens in game two. Uh, and game three is – I don't know if it's Monday, actually. I would assume it's Tuesday. I would assume Monday everybody gets a day off, and then Tuesday it's that game, and then Wednesday – I believe we will be having game four. But that's what—that's really what's to look forward to. Um, again, uh, we're going to have Thursday Night Football the night after, which is a pretty boring game. It's the Battle of the Floridians. I'm going to call it the COVID matchup. It's Dolphins-Jags um, on Thursday, September 24th. So, yeah, I think I've touched on everything I wanted to. This was kind of just a, a short little episode. I think it's actually been 40 minutes now. It's not really a short little episode, but it's a nice little one uh, for anyone looking for some fantasy advice, uh, my thoughts on the Celtics game after that rant a couple episodes ago. So, yeah, this has been Adam. I'm going to sign off. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beating Buzzer. Please follow and share the podcast uh, anywhere you can, and I will see you next time.